Hi everyone, Pastor Steve here, Wednesday Night Bible Study. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, our podcast on Wednesday night, uh, pretty soon uh, I'm thinking about going back to Wednesday Night Bible Study live. Uh, as I say this, we are uh, June 3rd, so I'm thinking maybe either uh, the next week or the week after. We'll see how it goes uh, as people begin to come back into uh, service because, as you know, uh, we are open for service. You can come into service, although we are set up for our online streaming, which we will be uh, changing in the next couple of weeks uh, as we rehab the sound system and everything. So uh, the sanctuary will go back to normal in probably about two, three weeks. But uh, Anyway, you're welcome uh, to come back to service. Uh, just remember social distancing, and if you feel like you uh, have a pre-existing condition or you're at risk, please stay home. It will be online. We, you'll, you'll be able to see it online as we've been doing. And as I've been saying, even once we get back to doing uh, our regular service at, at church, we will continue to do online streaming. So anyway, for our study tonight... Survey of the Gospels, uh, part 18, where we ended up last week. Jesus went before Pontius Pilate. Uh, Pilate examined him, said, I find no fault in him, washed his hands uh, with him. And it was the custom of the, uh, of the, of the Passover to release uh, a prisoner to the, to the Jews. Uh, they asked for Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. And Pilate really doesn't want everything to do with this. Uh, he doesn't feel Jesus has done anything wrong. And so basically they're sending Jesus back to Pilate as we pick up the story here. We'll be in John's Gospel for the first part, and then the rest of it will be in Matthew 27. So I'm going to start in John 19, and then the rest of our uh, our class here will be in Matthew chapter 27. So Gospel of John chapter 19, verse 1 to 15. It says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. You know what that is. That's the whipping. That's the beating. It's very brutal. Uh, uh, it's more It's more than just being lashed. It's more than being whipped. You know, scourging is where on the leather strap that they were beating you with, they would put broken pieces of uh, pottery and different things like that that would actually grab flesh and tear it. As it as it went across your body, so as bad as is being uh, whipped is, uh, this is even worse. Uh, you know, and he was just uh, horribly scourged. Uh, verse two, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. Uh, purple represents uh, royalty. And verse 3, And they begin to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him blows to his face. So think about this. He's being whipped. He's being beaten. They put that crown of thorn on his head, uh, not lightly pressing it down uh, to make even more blood flow uh, out of his head, um, mock him, and then they begin to punch him, a helpless man. Uh, you know, um, you know, we we talk about about uh, uh, crimes and punishment and things that are inhumane. This is absolutely uh, inhumane. 
Verse 4. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. In other words, he says, I'm, I'm scourging him, I'm beating him. You know, this is what you wanted, wanted, and I'm bringing him back out again. But I don't find any fault in this guy. He's saying this to the crowd. This Jesus, I find no fault in him. Because what did he do? You know, he went around performing miracles. He went around signs and wonders. He went around teaching. Uh, he, he went around, you know, unifying, uh, explaining the Bible like, like no one else had ever explained it. And uh, because of all of this, they want to put him to death. Verse 5. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And they could see him at this point, that he'd been beaten, he'd been scourged, uh, he was battered, he was bruised, he was uh, just, you know, inhumane treatment. They could see this, and you would think that people would just look upon that and have mercy on someone and say, you know, okay, that's enough, enough is enough. But they didn't do that. Verse 6, When therefore the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Now notice, the chief priests, the ones who were there to explain the law of God, the ones who knew the law of God, the ones who were to uphold the law of God, are breaking the law of God to crucify him. And by the way, crucifixion is a Roman death. Uh, it's not a Jewish death. Stoning is Jewish death. Uh, they wanted, you know, by by Roman law, have him crucified. And, you know, crucifixion is a slow death. It's a humiliating death. You're put on a cross and you're left there for 24 to 48 hours, slowly suffocating to death. And you're up high on this cross so that everyone can see you. And it's a, it's, it's a place of uh, shame, someone that is being being crucified so they 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 don't want to do it you know and Pilate says I'm not going to crucify him you crucify him yourselves I find no guilt in him he says it again verse 7 the Jews answered him we have a law and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God in other words you're saying blasphemy you know, uh, uh, and this is what they are trying to get him killed for. Verse 8, when Pilate therefore heard this statement, he was more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, You do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivers me up to you has a greater sin. Just a, theolo a theological point here. They did not kill Jesus. Jesus gave himself up to die. He offered no defense. You know, sacrifice from uh, God. 
he he you know he could have done uh, anything he he wanted to stop this. He could have done anything to limit the pain. He could have done anything to to find another way to do this. But he did it to fulfill the law, to fulfill the scriptures, and do the will of the Father. Verse twelve. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. And everyone who makes himself out to be king opposes Caesar. So right there, they pull out that card uh, that says, Oh, by the way, if you don't do this, Caesar's going to find out about it. We're going to revolt, and it's going to be your head. Because as I said last week, you had Caesar, who was uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, over the entire Roman Empire, you had Herod, who was over the uh, the province, and then you had Pilate, who was the governor of the local territory there. And so you did not want to upset Herod, you did not want to upset Caesar, because they had the power to have your head removed. They had the power uh, to have you scourged. They had the power to have you put on a cross. So here they're they're saying to him, you know, if we revolt and we cause a problem, it's going to be on you, Pilate. In other words, basically, you better do what we're asking you to do. Uh, verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. This is six o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, they did all of this at night while the, the, the most of the people were asleep, while the people that hailed him, Jesus as king uh, just a few days before were all asleep. Uh, they did this breaking uh, Levitical law by doing work on a, on a on a holy day to have Jesus tried. Uh, and so it was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They therefore cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then he delivered him to be crucified. Talk about blasphemy against God. They're trying Jesus on, you know, on blasphemy that he proclaimed to be the son of God. And here, these Jewish priests whose allegiance is supposed to be to Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the God who we know is, as creator. Uh, uh, they said, we have, and who is our king? It says, we have no king but Caesar. Wow. And see, going a little deeper into this, one of Caesar's titles is Son of God. That's one of the titles that Caesar actually has. Uh, and then Herod, uh, who was over the, uh, the, the area there, the province there, his title was King of the Jews. So you hear these terms coming up, and it's not just only to mock Jesus, but it's, it's, it's to say, you know, we have a king and that's a Caesar. And you're pretending to be king of the Jews, but really Herod is king of the Jews. So they're just trying to uh, mock Jesus even more. It's 6 a.m. in the morning. 
Let's go to Matthew chapter 27. We'll pick up the story. Matthew chapter 27, drop down to verse 27. Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-seven. Then the soldiers of the of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Now think about this: he's just been beaten. He's just been savagely beaten. Uh, his blood is is coagulating. His blood is is drying on him. Uh, it's sticking to this coat, this robe that they threw on him. They strip all of that off of him. Obviously, making all of that bleed again, bringing back all of that pain again, and then they put on another uh, scarlet robe on him. This is a scarlet robe would uh, denote kingship. Uh, purple is 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 uh, is royalty. Scarlet is kingship. And so they they put that on him. Uh, then verse twenty nine. Uh, and after weaving a crown of thorns, put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, they kneeled down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. I mean, just just horrible. Here, here is a man totally defenseless, uh, being given up, beaten, uh, savagely beaten, and they're, and they're having sport with all of this. Verse 30, And they spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. Uh, I mean, I mean, how how much worse uh, can you can you treat a uh, a human being? Uh, Thirty one. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off and put his garments on him and led him away to crucify him. This is uh, the road he's going to be going to uh, uh, Golgotha. Uh, you know, Jesus is mocked by the soldiers. Uh, again, just, just trying to humiliate him in, in, in every way, in every way possible. And he's like a lamb being led to the slaughter. The verse 31, uh, begins the part here, road to Golgotha. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off, put his garments on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. As we get, you know, in the other gospel accounts, you know, he's got to carry this cross. He's being beaten, you know, he's savagely beaten. The weight of it, he's falling. Uh, he can't do this. And then there's a man standing there, a man of Cyrene named Simon. Cyrene is in Africa. So most likely this, this man was an African who, who they uh, uh, placed in service here to bear Jesus' cross. Verse 33, And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull, this, it's also referred to as Calvary. Calvary is kind of the, the Latin name. But Calvary actually means place of the skull. And the place where Jesus was, was uh, crucified is called Golgotha which means place of the skull. And if you ever see pictures of this area, there's a stone there. And even to this day, on the side of this uh, stone cliff, uh, you look at it and you can basically see the outline where the wind has fashioned like two eyes and a partial mouth into this, uh, into this stone. And it looks just like a skull. 
Well, that's on top of that is where they take him to be crucified. Verse 34. They gave him wine to drink mingled with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Now, gall is in those days, it was made from uh, out of bitter herbs. And there was two things going on there with uh, gall. Uh, gall was used two ways. It was used as sort of a painkiller because gall, uh, as it was derived from these particular plants of the Middle East, is actually a poison. And, but in small doses mixed with, with uh, vinegar or sweet wine, uh, it was used as a painkiller. But in larger doses, it was used, it was used uh, as a, as a flat-out poison. Now, what's interesting here, it says they gave him wine to drink mingled with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Um, another verse, another passage, we find out that, that, you know, it's bitter what he's drinking. One of the other passages, well, uh, poison is bitter. And so basically what they were giving him is they were giving him flat-out poison, and he was unwilling to take the poison and die from the poison. Uh, he he was or to to uh, uh, to shorten the pain or or do anything that would render him unconscious during all of this. Thirty five. When they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots. In other words, they gambled for his uh, for his clothes, and they put up above his head the charge against him, which read. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Now again, that was Herod's title. But they are again mocking Jesus, saying this is King of the Jews. Uh, notice, uh, you know, in other words, you're saying he has no power. He has no nothing. This is no king. Hi, everyone. We're back with part two. We had a little technical glitch there. So we're doing our Bible study tonight in two parts. I had just finished with a the part there uh, talking about Jesus uh, as king of the Jews, uh, th- that they were getting ready to crucify him with a plaque over his head that says king of the Jews, where uh, that was Herod's title, king of the Jews. So they were just totally uh, mocking uh, Jesus in every way possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, we're in Matthew chapter 27, verse 38. At the time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads. Because again, if someone was being crucified, it was a criminal. It was someone that was despicable. It was someone that you did not want in your society. You you were you welcomed the fact that they were no longer going to be a threat. Even though they didn't even know what Jesus was up there for. But again, he was led, you know, like a common a common criminal. Verse 40, saying, uh, You who are doing going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Again, you know, mocking Jesus, saying, Okay, if you're who you say you are, uh, do it some other way. You don't have to go through all of this. But you, again, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not do away with it, not get out of doing it. I came to fulfill. So he had to take this. Uh, Verse 41. 
In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we shall believe him. In other words, uh, come down uh, from, from the cross if, if you're all this and you're all that, you know, and, and we'll believe you. No, even if he did, they still wouldn't believe him because they did not want to believe him. They, 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 uh, he was such a threat to their position and, and what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. Uh, if they weren't going to believe anything that he'd already done, even if he came down off that cross, uh, you know, they were not going to believe him. Let's see. Verse 43. It says, He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now, if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And so now they put it on God. You know, it's just like, you know, okay, if you're the Son of God, then let God save you. Let God himself. If you can't save yourself, then your Father will save you. You know, again, just... uh, just, just, just making a mockery out of everything, and then you have the uh, forty-four and the robbers also who had been crucified with him were casting the same insults at him. But at this point, I want to go to Luke just to highlight something because Luke brings out a little bit more information. Keep your place there in Matthew twenty-seven, and then we're going to go to Luke twenty-three, verse thirty-five. And read the same passage. Luke 23.35 says, And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now this was... Also, an inscription above him, this is king of the Jews. And one of the criminals, this is the part I want to make here, one of the criminals who were hanging there were hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. At this point, this man is basically saying, I am a sinner, and and, and, and I deserve this death. Again, in salvation, this is what repentance means. That, you know, you realize that you are a sinner. You realize that you are deserving uh, the penalty of death. And that's what makes Jesus' atoning act on the cross uh, so powerful. Uh, verse 41 we indeed justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong and he was saying Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom he's acknowledging here Jesus' kingdom is going to come in other words he's making a confession here verse 43 and he said to him truly I say to you today you shall be with me in paradise this man on the cross uh, comes to a point of acknowledging sin, repentance, and confession of Jesus Christ as 
Lord. You don't get all of that in Matthew. That's why I just wanted to bring that particular thing out. And then we'll get to the last part here. Go back to Matthew chapter 27. And we pick up the story in verse 45. Matthew 27 and 45. It says, now from the sixth hour of darkness, again, that's six o'clock in the morning. It says, from, from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, Jesus is on the cross a total of six hours. For a normal, healthy man, crucifixion was 24 to 48 hours. Because what would happen is, is you would hang there, you would slowly suffocate. Uh, and it was meant to be torture. It was meant to be torment. Uh, but you see, Jesus gives up his life. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, Jesus uh, does not let them take his life. He gives up his life. That's why he's only on the cross for three hours. And besides that, Jesus needs to be off the cross and in the tomb uh, by sundown to fulfill the feast, the Passover feast. It is our Passover lamb. Uh, and then three days, and then he's resurrected on the Feast of First Fruits. We'll get into that uh, next week. So Jesus on the cross, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, verse 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At this point, the sins of the whole world are upon Jesus Christ. 47, and some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Because according to Jewish scripture, according to uh, 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 the Old Testament, you know, Elijah will come uh, before the announcement of, of, of Messiah. Now remember that, what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? He comes in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was the one who would announce, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist announces Jesus Christ. When we do our study on the book of Revelation, we make the case for Elijah being one of the two uh, that appeared during the time of tribulation. And that's when, uh, right before Jesus' second uh, return, second coming of Jesus Christ. And then verse 50, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. In other words, he died. They did not kill him. He gave up his spirit. And just to go one verse farther into where we're going to start next week. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The veil of the temple. The veil of the temple, what they're talking about, was torn in two from top to bottom. That veil is what separated the holy place to the most holy place. In other words, where the presence of God was at. That was torn uh, uh, from, 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 from top to bottom, and the uh, earth shook and the rocks were open. Uh, in other words, 
what's being signaling here is there's a change. And the temple of God now, where only the high priest would go in once a year to make atonement for the whole nation, now, as believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we can, in a sense, go uh, into the throne room of God in prayer uh, and ask for forgiveness ourselves. And that's kind of what this signifies here, that that throne room is no longer separated from us now through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, our confession and our repentance, we can now ask Jesus, we can now ask God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And this is a powerful uh, passage there, and I want to rework it uh, next week when we pick up this uh, particular uh, passage and where we'll go uh, finish off uh, the gospel account, and then we'll transition into... Uh, the book of Acts, which might be a good starting place, as I said earlier, about talking about opening Bible study back up, uh, that we can come together again. We'll still be uh, recording Bible study, but maybe uh, in two weeks when I get to the uh, book of Acts, that's when we'll start having Bible study again, a natural transition there. So again, as always, uh, keep your eye out on on our webpage, on our Facebook page, uh, for any details, and also we'll be sending out uh, emails to everyone. Let them know what's going on. Let you all know what's going on with the uh, church and the upgrades and all the things that are going on. So, praise God. Again, as always, if you have any questions, please email them, call me, let me know. We can answer those questions uh, here. And then don't forget, on Thursday, we have our evangelism class from 7 to 8 o'clock. Uh, we had our first one last week. We'll have our second one tomorrow. And we're going to be talking more about how do you evangelize? Uh, how do you go about it? Why do we do it? What is the biblical mandate? How do you use the Bible to evangelize? So we're going to be breaking all those different things down through the month of June so that uh, we will be able to, hopefully, in the month of August, we'll be able to go back out, mingle uh, without all the separation stuff. And we can go out and start preaching the gospel out into the community. So sounds like a timeline to me. So... Anyway, uh, God bless you, and let me just close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to come before you. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us into our study. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you've opened our eyes, our ears, and our heart uh, to see, to hear, and to receive what it is you have for us. Lord, Lord, continue to guide us, strengthen us, heal us, encourage us, help us uh, in these trying and difficult times that we we live in, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, help us to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So, Father, again, we just give you thanks, praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. God bless everyone. See you soon.